From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. While we've added COVID, you know, the overall health of the United States and the population hasn't changed. People haven't stopped having heart attacks or strokes overnight. So where are they? That's Jalen Williams on the growing number of Americans choosing to defer medical care since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll hear more from Jalen on the importance of PPE, the need for effective patient education, and the potential health and financial ramification of putting off medical care. But first, a word from our sponsor. A proven payment solution for patients' out-of-pocket cost, the Care Credit Health, Wellness, and Personal Care Credit Card gives cardholders a convenient way to pay for treatments and procedures. For healthcare providers navigating financial and operational challenges resulting from the coronavirus pandemic, Care Credit can help reduce time and effort devoted to billing and collections while increasing patient satisfaction. Care Credit currently has over 11 million cardholders and is accepted in more than 240,000 locations nationwide. Learn more about how Care Credit helps providers deliver a better patient financial experience at carecredit.com slash MGMA podcast. Almost half of all Americans say they or someone they live with has delayed medical care due to the COVID-19 outbreak, according to Kaiser Family Foundation survey results released in late May. Here to discuss this industry trend is Air Method CEO, Jaylen Williams. Jaylen, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Daniel. It's great to, to be with you. Great. Now, we're going to be talking today about a trend we're seeing around the country, and it's a troubling one. It's about patients delaying care. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to get to know a little bit more about your company, Air Methods, um, what you guys are up to right now, where your focus has been these last months uh, during the pandemic. Well, maybe I should start with a little bit about it. So Air Methods is a national air medical um, company with bases that serve 48 states. And some of your listeners may know us better by our local brands that we operate under. So Mercy Air on the West Coast, Arch in the Midwest, uh, LifeNet in New York, or Lifesaver in the South, among many others. And for rural communities, air medical services are the most important access point really to a trauma facility or um, to a center of excellence that can provide the critical care that they need. So it's a really critical component of the overall healthcare system. And as we have, you know, kind of been living through this current set of circumstances and pandemic, uh, we really have been focused on the commitment to the communities we serve and what we feel is a responsibility you know, to those people to be that link um, to their care in those service areas, because it is kind of in the rural communities, it's often the only link that they have. And that's meant focusing on our crews and the safety of our crews. And so we were very early to make sure that our crews were doing all of their flights in full um, protective equipment, full PPE. And what that means for us when I say that is that's gowns, that's gloves, um, 
that's face masks and that's eye protection. And we've been doing that from the get-go for all members um, of the crew, including our pilots. And uh, we do it on every flight, so not just COVID flights. And that was because early on, and it continues to be that way, not everyone that's a COVID patient presents as a COVID patient. And so it's been able, you know, we've been able to safely transport um, and continue to serve those communities that, that we feel a strong commitment um, to our mission to help them. Okay. Now, let's turn to you then. What is your, personally, what has your day-to-day been like during the pandemic? What have you been most involved with, most focused on? That's a good question. You know, in many ways, um, this is exactly what we deal with and what we're equipped to deal with every day, serving patients and communities in times of crisis. You know, we've helped with surge um, needs around some of the the hurricanes that have happened. I mean, this is kind of what we do. Uh, We were quick to set up uh, an emergency operations center here in our offices here in Denver, and we track all the exposures to crew, and we know which patients we've transported are COVID positive. And so we've basically established um, contact tracing among our employee base and our crews so that we know precisely the health of each person who's in quarantine, and we can make sure that we're taking care of people uh, safely. You know, you're always learning um, in a business, and this crisis has been a source of additional learning for us. And so we've really been taking the lessons that we've learned early on in the crisis and the protocols and the procedures and communication even to our employees that's gone really well. And it's now kind of becoming standard operating procedure for us so that One, we can respond to maybe future disruptions. Nobody really knows what's happening with additional spikes of COVID, um, and it allows us to operate without disruption. And I think that's really a positive for the communities that we serve because they rely on this service being available to them. Okay. I want to turn to this main topic that we're going to be discussing, uh, this trend of patients delaying care. When did this first come to your attention? Well, it's interesting, Daniel, because when the pandemic started, um, we actually were preparing to deal with capacity issues related to adding COVID patients on top of the cases that we already um, transport and that we take care of all the time. And so those would be things like heart attacks and strokes um, that are typical air medical transports. So we anticipated that this would be an influx of volume, and it didn't happen. Um, instead, there was this immediate drop-off of you know, of demand and need for air medical services. So we started asking ourselves, like, where did all these patients go? Because while we've added COVID, you know, the overall health of the United States and the population hasn't changed. People haven't stopped having heart attacks or strokes overnight. So where are they? And we kind of looked and started comparing notes with local EMS personnel, found out that these things had dropped off on ground transport as well, talking to physicians, And what we came to realize is that many folks were staying home instead of seeking care. And so when you factor this in and you think about the overall impact of COVID, you know, if we have people who are delaying care because they are afraid or because they don't want to to be infected, then I think the current crisis of COVID and the current, you know, loss of life, it becomes even more far reaching than what maybe we see on the news every day. Mm Mm-hmm. What are the different factors then causing patients to delay care? I know the obvious one would be COVID-19, maybe some fear of 
uh, getting the virus, but w what are some of the other factors out there right now? Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I think the first and foremost one is I think that they, they are afraid that they'll be infected with COVID. And so they simply don't seek out the care they need because they're afraid of going, you know, to their doctor's office or to the, the hospital for care. I, I think that our um, general population doesn't understand that PPE really works. And I think our team is proof of this. So if you think of what we've done, we've transported um, probably more than 2,000 COVID patients at this point in the small confined space of a helicopter. And our crews are not getting sick. We haven't had our crews get, no one's become infected doing a transport. And so I think it, it shows that if we all step up, we wear the PPE and we take the appropriate precautions and we're really vigilant about it, we can deliver safe healthcare. And I don't think that's understood. And I think that contributes to people staying away. Um, another thing that I think is actually out there is that the general symptoms of COVID that you read on the internet or you see on the news um, also mirror symptoms of other issues like heart attacks where people have shortness of breath um, and people are being told to stay home if they have COVID and if they're not critically ill that they shouldn't go to a hospital. And so I think this overlap of symptoms is contributing a little bit to people staying home and not seeking emergency care. And then I think while it's always been an issue, it probably is really prevalent now too, is that people are afraid of the cost. Um, you know, they're worried about having inadequate insurance and a lot of these plans, you know, that have high deductible plans. I think there's, there's a bit of a fear that keeps people away because they're, they're worried about the cost of this care and they don't realize that there's been legislation passed that protects COVID patients um, from billing. So I think it really does come down to patient education, you know, during this crisis to make sure that they understand that they should seek care, that it is safe um, to seek care, and that healthcare providers like Air Methods and, and all of your audience as well are working really diligently to, to you know, invest in where and take care of PPE and take care of our, our patients very safely um, and help them, you know, heal and move on and save the life. Mm-hmm. How widespread is this problem? I mean, are you able to measure it or have there been some uh, studies or uh, data that's come out of this to kind of see how big a problem this really is right now? We're seeing this everywhere. Um, so we're seeing, you know, emergency room volumes and emergency transports, you know, that that's impacted and been down across the country rural areas as well as the more densely populated urban centers. I think the data is just emerging and we're all um, kind of getting our arms around it. But I think that what the data is starting to show is that people are suffering from life-threatening conditions. They're just avoiding the ER visits. So chest pain, stroke symptoms, you know, inflamed appendixes, gallbladders, they're all staying home out of fear. And I think that, you know, the main reason is that people just don't know. They don't know that they can and should uh, get care. And so I think the public communication, community outreach, you know, those are really critical to get out there and to combat what I think is a really widespread a misconception that the emergency department should be avoided. And I think anything we can all do that helps get that over the finish line, because I think as the data comes out, what we're going to see is that this, there's a large um, loss of life because of people not seeking appropriate care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
let's talk about that then from both a short-term and a long-term perspective. I mean, really, what are the problems then when we look at it from a healthcare perspective and a financial perspective uh, when we're looking at delaying care and, and how that can impact the person's health and uh, their overall financial situation as well? Yeah. Well, you know, generally speaking, you know, what we see is that when people delay care, it becomes more expensive and quite frankly, their outcomes decline. And I think maybe one of the best examples of that is stroke. So just for example, there are treatment protocols for stroke where if you are treated quickly, so we transport someone, they're treated quickly, they literally will walk out of the hospital a few hours later um, and their life goes on just as it was before. They have a full recovery. But if you delay care for a stroke, then the outcomes look much more different. Um, you know, there's all kinds of potential long-term impacts. So, you know, rehab, um, in many cases, a loss of function, and, you know, potentially even death from a stroke. And those have high costs, but they also have a lot of loss of, of just, you know, the overall quality of life and the stress and the impact of families of those types of, you know, chronic um, outcomes that come as a result of delaying care. And I think financially too, if you can be transported, if you can get emergency care quickly, your length of stay is gonna be shorter, your comorbidities are gonna be fewer, and the cost to you is going to be less. And we see this with a lot of our patients because we transport from very rural areas for care and have you know family members who need to come and stay with them and you know, that difference between somebody who goes into a hospital and is quickly treated for a stroke and leaves versus someone who has delayed care for a stroke and then has a very lengthy, long length of stay, potentially a long intensive rehab, those costs both to the family and the individual as well as to, you know, payers like Medicare are substantially different. And so it just underscores the need to really go for your health, you know, for your family and for your finances. Sure. Now, one of the things that you've been doing during the pandemic is pretty interesting. You've been educating patients about, um, you know, getting that care. Uh, what are these conversations sound like? Are you, are you meeting with individuals, with groups? And I, I guess I'm assuming this is through Zoom meetings or something like that. What, what do these conversations look like? And using, I think, firing on all cylinders, if you could say it that way, trying um, everything a little bit to get this word out. So we have our teams, obviously, are out in the field. We have, you know, crews and local bases, and they're carrying um, this message kind of as feet on the ground. Um, and we're highlighting the impacts of delaying care, the fact that emergency rooms are safe, um, that they should go see their doctor if they feel sick. Um, and we've been doing it via our blog. Um, we've partnered up with some of our hospital customers on, you know, ad campaigns, stuff to get that out. Um, we've been doing a lot of digital and social media uh, to get this. We've created, you know, specific marketing that's just about you should seek care and have really been trying to, you know, communicate that pretty consistently. Um, we're also really supportive of some of the national campaigns that have been going on, like um, there's one right now that's called Don't Die of Doubt. Uh, it's an initiative from the American Heart Association that is imploring people to call 911 at the first sign of a heart attack or stroke. And it really, it's, it's why we're participating in this podcast today is 
anything that we can all do that educates the public that healthcare is safe and that they should go ahead and seek healthcare and, and trust their doctor, um, that's what we want them to take away from this and get that out any way that we can. Right. Yeah, we're we're at a another inflection point uh, in this virus's uh, lifespan right now. We, you know, we we had the stay-at-home orders. We lifted those across the country and you know varying degrees. We've now seen the spikes. I was just on a call with uh, a gentleman that's in Houston, which has now become uh, the latest epicenter um, for the virus in America. Uh, we're just seeing so many different issues here at hand with one of them being, you, you're, you're rightly so talking about, we're seeing that PPE, the wearing of that is helpful. It's, uh, it's productive to keep people safe. And yet uh, the wearing of mask um, has become politicized, unfortunately. And so how do we cut through that noise? How do we do a better job then of making sure people stay safe um, and are be able or, and are able to go about their daily lives as uh, normal as as possible in this situation but um, balance that safety with um, being able to balance it with some level of normality as well it's a it's a really good point and you know not to sound like a broken record Daniel but you know prior to COVID-19 Air Methods is our mission. We we go wherever we're called. We never initiate a call in our business. So we're called and we respond regardless of a person's ability to pay for that transport. Um, you know, their gender identification, you know, race, any of the things. And we pick up that patient and we transport them. And I guess what I would say is We've been able to do that safely, and we don't know what's wrong with that patient. We don't know if they have an infectious disease, and we've been able to do that very safely. Now we move forward um, into the COVID environment, and with PPE, if people are looking for how do we have a regular, normal life, um, our crews, and it's not always comfortable, it's hot now as we go into summer, um, you know, it's not maybe the most ideal, but They've been able to put on full PPE, and we have been able to transport over 2,000 known COVID patients. So it's not if they have it, they do have it. They've been transported in a small, confined space and given all kinds of care. Innovation, you know, things that are dealing with airways. So, I mean, this is about as engaged as you can get, you know, with a, another person. And our crews have been safe, and that PPE has kept them safe. So I think if we think about broadly, how do we open society and how do we make, you know, life go back to normal as much as we can, there's a lesson to be learned from that, which is it's kind of a small sacrifice to put on PPE to be able to, you know, keep everybody safe and to go back out and to, you know, live life and open an economy and take care of patients. It yeah, works. Absolutely. Um, before we go, uh, any final thoughts then that you'd like to share with us about delayed care and frankly, what you've learned about it during this crisis? Because I know, as you mentioned, you guys uh, are involved in crisis situations all the time. This one's perhaps a little bit different because it doesn't go away or it hadn't gone away yet. So uh, 
what are some final thoughts then? Well, you know, a couple, we've spent uh, the past year and a half or two years focused very much at Air Methods on going in network um, so that these transports are covered as part of a person's regular insurance coverage. And, and that's important, I think, as we think about why people delay care. And as a provider, I think we have a responsibility to try and make sure that this care can be provided um, to people who need it without them being nervous or concerned or delaying care because they're afraid of the cost or how they'll pay for this care. And so I do think that that's a really critical learning that, that has a long-term um, kind of runway on it, not just for air medical services, but, but for everyone. I think getting things in network so that insurance does what it's meant to do uh, and pays for our care is, is a really key thing that I think comes out of this. I think the other thing is just a reminder that emergency healthcare saves lives. Um, and that's true now more than ever. Um, we're here to take care of patients and be an important part of that chain of care, especially for rural patients. And this pandemic isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, and so it's really important for us to get this word out there and for people to seek the health care that they need when they have these symptoms and to, you know, see their physician and trust that their physician is you know, doing all the right things to take care of them and keep them safe. Jaylen, thanks so much for joining us and for sharing these thoughts with us today. My pleasure. That's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to Care Credit for sponsoring this week's show. And to learn more about how Care Credit is helping providers deliver a better patient financial experience, visit carecredit.com slash MGMA podcast. Also, thanks to our guest, Jaylen Williams. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.